Well, good morning. It's so good to see everyone in this last Sunday we get to share together before Christmas and our last time of gathering in this room in 2021, which is an incredible thing. And it's just a blessing to, to be with you and, and to share from the Word of God this morning. And so I'm excited as, as you've been uh, with us. You know, we've been uh, really focusing on this prophecy about Jesus in uh, the book of Isaiah that you just heard right there in the little video. Um, that It was foretold uh, that there was going to be a time when the light of the world was going to enter in in the fullness of time is what it says. And we know that is the life of of Jesus Christ. So that's what we've been talking about these past couple of weeks as we prepare our own hearts and get uh, ready and look forward to the celebration of uh, Jesus coming in the flesh, what we celebrate here at Christmas, God ascending his son. And so as we've been talking about this pr prophecy and talking about what it means to prepare ourselves this Advent season, we've kind of been walking through this progression altogether that we, we looked back and we saw how uh, just this idea of light, that God is this creator God, that he spoke that light into existence. And so that's how we can see the world around us. And that is both a, a literal reality but also a spiritual reality uh, because we went on from that and we saw how uh, the world has uh, been progressing um, through history and God's plan has been unfolding. And we saw that uh, the people of the Old Testament had been preparing for this light to enter in in a physical sense. Um, and so that's what we saw looking back into the scriptures, how uh, the people of God prepared themselves to receive uh, the Savior of the world coming into the world. And then last week we looked at that act that singular moment in history where the God of the universe took on flesh that came, born of a virgin, born under the law to redeem those that were under the law. We saw the incarnation last week. And so this morning, although I know we're celebrating uh, the whole nativity scene, the major scene uh, coming up uh, this Friday, but this morning we're in, in our timeline, we're kind of past Jesus's birth. We talked about the incarnation last week. And so we got to just ask ourselves if uh, the light has come into the world, if, if the the light has dawned, as the uh, prophet Isaiah has said, like what is the response to that light being brought into the world? And as we will see from the scriptures and um, uh, just clearly stated and probably what we can reflect on in our own lives, that if, if the light has come and if we have received it into our world and into our hearts, the only response is the proclamation of what God has done. And so that's what we're going to be talking about is proclamation, which might not be a word you use every single day in your life, but definitely has some religious feelings to it. And we can probably recognize uh, that proclamation is an important aspect of our life, that uh, things that are significant or important to us, we do proclaim. Even if we don't use the word like I proclaim, or if you're a fan of the office, we don't always declare everything, but that is an aspect of our life. If there is something important or significant, we proclaim it. And so you think about things like engagements or weddings, there's usually a proclamation of that aspect of our lives, or even just significant life events, a, a promotion, a new birth, a significant move. We proclaim the things that are significant and important in the world around us. And there's been a lot of significant proclamations that have happened throughout history, and I was reflecting on some of those this week. And so in, in 490 B.C., uh, the armies of Persia under the king Darius set their eyes on Greece. And so if you know anything of that history, it's some uh, pretty significant moments in history. And so uh, the armies of Persia had begun to move into uh, the isthmus of Greece and the different city-states that were there. And there were already some cities that had fallen. And they were getting closer and closer to kind of the crown jewel of the Greek isles, the city of Athens. 
And so the Athenian army was trying to figure out what they were going to do because no other countries or people had stood up to the Persian armies up to this point. And so they were trying to decide, how are we going to defend our homeland? Because they had already made the decision that they weren't going to surrender to Persia. And so they picked this area outside of their city called the Plains of Marathon. Now, there is this story and this legend that has grown up over this event about a specific Greek runner who was uh, trained and equipped to send the messages back and forth between the different city-states at the time, since there were no phones. And so what they did is literally sent a man running. So leading up to this battle, there's this legend that has arisen about a Greek runner named Pheidippides. And so preceding the battle, Athens had dispatched him to run to Sparta, the other significant power, to see if the Spartans would send troops to help the Athenians. And so it said over the course of two days, he ran 150 miles to go to Sparta and ask them for help. And so um, when he got to Sparta, he asked if they would send help, and they said they wouldn't be able to till after the full moon and keeping with their laws to honor the Greek gods. They couldn't fight until after the full moon. So then Pheidippides had to run all the way back to tell the Athenians, hey, no help is coming. It's just on our army. And so the Athenian army met the Persians on the plains of Marathon, and it's written about through different Greek his historians. Um, and so significantly at the time, they did not think that they had any chance of victory. And so the rest of the Athenian people were waiting back in the city to hear how the battle would transpire. But the Athenian army um, did some clever maneuvers and ended up uh, winning the day against the Persians and helping defeat the Persian army. They stalled their advance, and so they weren't going to reach the city gates. And so as the legend goes, they called upon Pheidippides again to go and tell the city what has happened. And so from Marathon back to the city of Athens was about 25-ish miles. And so he ran all the way back. And the, the leaders of the city of Athens were waiting at the Acropolis. And as the legend goes, he got there and declared, we win, we win, we are victorious, and then he died. And so this has been memorialized forever because the shorthand of the Greek word for victory is Nike, and that is why the shoe company took that name as their brand, commemorating this. And then in the 20s, when the Greek people decided they wanted to begin again the Olympic Games and invite the other uh, countries to participate in it, they decided they would set out a race commemorating this declaration, this proclamation of victory, and they call it the Marathon. Now, there's lots of different opinions on how accurate that legend is and if it was one runner, how far he ran, what he actually said. But it is a proclamation we remember that a man um, did everything he could to go and tell his people that they had been victorious. And so that is a significant proclamation. The proclamation of victory is one all people want to hear. Another significant proclamation, June 19th, 1865, in Galveston, Texas, the U.S. General Gordon Granger arrived. And he was there to tell them that two months prior at Appomattox Courthouse, uh, General Robert E. Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant, ending the Civil War. And so when he got to Galveston, this is what he had to say. He said, The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. And so what he was doing was proclaiming what President Abraham Lincoln had already signed into law with the Emancipation Proclamation two years prior, declaring that all the people of the United States were now free and nobody was going to be held in slavery. And so for two years, those people had been legally declared free, but were still living in slavery. And then also for two months, the war had ended, but the last place to receive that proclamation 
was Galveston, Texas on June 19th and why we now have a federal holiday celebrating Juneteenth because we proclaimed that all people were free. So victory is a significant proclamation and then freedom is a significant proclamation. And then finally, a great date in history. In the third age of Middle Earth, the people of Rohan were being besieged by the Urukai forces under the wizard Saruman, and they had retreated to the fortress of Helm's Deep. Uh, all of us should, they taught you this in history class, right? And so as they had retreated, they were boxed in and they were uh, besieged by a force that was way larger than the people defending the fortress. And they thought that all hope was lost. But uh, a couple of days prior, Gandalf had proclaimed to them, he was leaving, but he proclaimed to them, he said, look to my coming on the first light of the fifth day at dawn, look to the east. And now they had forgotten that proclamation, and they were besieged on all sides, and the fortress was beginning to fall. And so Aragorn um, decided that they were going to ride out in one blaze of glory to clash swords once more together. But as they rode out, thinking they were for sure going to die, the dawn of the fifth day came up, and Gandalf, true to his word, arrived, bringing salvation to the people of Rohan. I hope this isn't news to you about the Battle of Helm's Deep. Go watch the Two Towers later. You can thank me afterwards. But I think that salvation is a significant proclamation. And as I stated, uh, we proclaim things that are important and significant. And those are three significant proclamations in and of themselves. Victory, freedom, salvation, those are all things I want us to reflect on this morning as we look at another proclamation in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to get into the Christmas story because that's what we're going to be about this morning is the message of Jesus Christ. So Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, this is what it says. In the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. 
So here we have a significant proclamation that has affected the entire history of the world. And so I love uh, just how God weaves his story that it's not always to significant people, but people in lower positions like shepherds. But what do we have? We have uh, some men who receive a significant message. And I love what this proclamation says. And there is multiple proclamations right in here. One of the first things we see is that they are going to be receiving good news of great joy. And so that should key you in right there that this is a significant aspect of what's going to happen. And so they are saying that specifically there is a baby being born, but this isn't just any baby. This is a significant baby, and it states right there that he is the Savior. And so they say this is going to be the sign. This is what you're going to see. But um, right now the Christ is coming into the world. And so although uh, you are not part of the religious elite, you would have been told uh, from birth about the prophecies in Isaiah, about the different things God was going to do. And so being proclaimed to them in this moment is that the most significant moment in history is about to happen. And you get to be witnesses to what is taking place. And so I love just how the story unfolds. And there's some different things it says right there. Uh, I love in, in, in verse 18, one of the things we can pick up on right there, it says, um, as the shepherds came and relayed the message they had heard, it says, all who heard it. And so uh, we, we don't know specifically, we, we can just kind of infer from the text. I'm guessing when it says all who heard it, it's not just Mary and Joseph. So as I'm just kind of picturing what's happening here, as these guys have uh, received this angelic message and got to behold the glory of God in an incredible way, as they are rolling into Bethlehem, I don't think they're keeping that to themselves. So as they're saying all who heard it, I'm guessing every person they passed as they were coming into town was getting a dose of that proclamation as well. Like, hey, we were out there. Angels appeared. It was incredible. They said there was good news of great joy that's for everybody. So we're not keeping it to ourselves. We want everybody to know that today salvation has come into the world. Today a Savior has been born. That is a significant proclamation. And so all who heard it we're being able to rejoice in that moment as well. And so we can see that although it had been proclaimed to them, the proclamation did not stop there, but began to be relayed to other people as well. An aspect of understanding that light has come into the world is that we have received a message that everybody else needs to know about as well. And so just like Pheidippides going back to give the good news to the people of Athens, these shepherds as they roll into Bethlehem are telling everybody that there is good news of great joy that is for all people. One of the things we need to realize as followers of Jesus Christ is that our life lived out is a proclamation. If we're conscious of it or not, our lives lived out are proclamations of what we view as significant or important. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves this Christmas and every single Christmas is, what is my life actually proclaiming? As the people I encounter and the people I am around, what are they going to know about me through both my words and my actions? What is my life proclaiming? And is my life, like the message of the angels, proclaiming good news of great joy that is for all people that a Savior has come? As you reflect on that and think about this idea of proclamation as we have been witnesses to the light coming into the world, and if we have received that light into our own life in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves, what is the outflow of my life to the world around me? What exactly am I proclaiming to the people that encounter me? And to frame that up for us, I want us to look at one other verse in the New Testament. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3, and it's verse 15. 
And you might be aware of this verse. It is one we, we point to pretty often. It's one that would be a great one to internalize, to commit to memory, uh, to keep it in your heart so that you are reminded of that truth often. And so what the Apostle Peter says here, he says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to give a defense for the reason, for the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. It's a really incredible verse. You know, and a lot of times we focus on different aspects of what that verse says. We can focus on the defense aspect. Other translations say give a reason. But I like that it attaches those two things. It says, always be ready to give an answer, to give a defense, to give a reason for the hope that is in you. And so the message that those shepherds received into the world that night was a message of hope. They said, behold, it is good news of great joy that is for all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior. That is a message of hope. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be a people of hope. That should be something that is significant in our life. It should be something that is proclaimed in both our words and our actions in the way we move through this life. And I, I, I want to key you on, a, on two other aspects of this. If you look at verse 14, the very of uh, uh, 1 Peter 3, right before we get into verse 15, one of the last things Peter said before this vo- verse is to not be frightened. And the very first thing that the angel said to the shepherds was to not be frightened. Because I think uh, the, the, the God of the universe realizes we have this very human tendency to be overwhelmed by the things of the world. And a result of that in my life is to live a life of fear. In the way I interact with others, the way I perceive world events, the way I go through life, it's very easy to live a life and make decisions based out of fear. And so we should also ask ourselves what our lives is proclaiming, and is one of those things I'm proclaiming to the world around me is that we should all be scared, worried, and stressed out all the time. And I think this begins to trickle into the way we approach the world around us, the way we interact with our neighbors, the way we view politics and different areas of of, of social discourse. Like, are we proclaiming fear with our lives instead of the hope we have in Jesus Christ? And so, you know, one of the things um, I've, I've heard throughout my life, and, and I think is, a, is, is a, a reasonable statement, is kind of the idea, a lot of times as Christians, we might critique, critique people uh, that might, um, would term themselves as atheists. So one of the things I've heard, and I've probably repeated, and, and I, w- I would believe also, is, you know, if somebody does not believe in God, why do they so often seem to be so angry about his lack of existence? And that's a critique we have as Christians for those outside the faith. Like, hey, why are so, angry, so many atheists angry about this idea of religious people or God? Why are they so angry if they don't actually think God is, exists? And I think that's a decent critique. But I think for us, we need to reflect on our own lives. And I would say, um, not only should we wonder why people are so angry if they don't think God exists, we should ask ourselves, why are people so angry if they do think God exists? And we should look into our hearts and ask ourselves, are the lives we are living proclaiming that hope has come into the world? Are we living as people of hope that have received the proclamation that there is good news of great joy for all people, that unto us is born this day a Savior? Are we living a life that proclaims that we have salvation through Jesus Christ, that we do not have to worry about tomorrow because the God we serve is already there and he is in complete control and God knows what's going to unfold in every single one of our lives and all of it's going to be used for his redemptive purposes for those who are called by him and those who love him.
are our lives a proclamation of hope? We should ask ourselves that. How does hope affect us every single day? So let me just tell you, as I um, reflect on the past two years and just kind of look around at the world and even some of the things I've had to wrestle and struggle with and battle in my own heart, I'll say one of the things that is just um, permeating our world right now is despair. You know, we all feel it. You know, we worry about the economy. We worry about the next variant. We worry about the next lockdown. We worry about the different world events that are transpiring. And so often as I read different news articles and look at different things, the, I would say if I could encapsulate it in one word, people are struggling right now with despair. Rates of suicide are up as high as they've been in young people ever. And people look around at the world right now and they don't have hope. And so I would just say this, the world desperately needs Jesus. And God gave us the message of hope that the people of God would live differently, that they would not get embroiled in the little arguments of this world, but would be a people that herald and proclaim good news of great joy that is for all people, that born to us is a Savior who is Christ the Lord and I know for myself, I can uh, even get fixated that we need people to understand that they are lost before they can actually get saved. And But I just think about this message, and it's been just bouncing around my head all week of what the angels declared to the shepherds and how that same declaration is as true today as it was then. And I need us to realize today that the world around us needs people who believe that message and proclaim it in the world around them with both their words and their actions. And I'm saying that specifically because that's how the message of Jesus Christ goes out. We have to both live it out and we have to proclaim it verbally so that people understand that there is a Savior that loves them. Because I would say this, that um, um, living your life, actions without words is insufficient and words that aren't backed up by our actions is hypocritical. And so we need to internalize the message of Jesus. And if we believe that the light has dawned in this world, we need to not get fixated on the trivial everyday things, but we need to be a people that proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I love the reminder of Christmas that we take these specific times um, every single year to be marching up to uh, remembering the fact that Jesus came in the flesh that lived a perfect life on this earth. And so I think that's just the reminder I wanted to offer to you this morning that there is good news of great joy and to encourage and challenge and um, just motivate in any way I can to live that life of joy outwardly so this despairing world would see Jesus through our words and our actions and know that there is hope for them because we can see those significant proclamations in history and we can be furthering those proclamations that there is victory. There is victory over sin. There is victory over death. There is victory over these present darknesses that uh, all, all around us that we get to proclaim freedom, that although people might not know it, that they might not have experienced or tasted that spiritual freedom in Jesus, that they are free because their life has been purchased by Jesus Christ. And then finally, we get to proclaim salvation, that a Savior has come into the world for me and for you and for all of us, so that through him we could have a relationship with God. I want to wrap up with a proclamation Jesus made in Luke chapter 4. And I think it's just a really good reminder for us this morning. 
because we are the people of Jesus. We want to live in the way Jesus lived, and we want to proclaim the things Jesus proclaimed. And this is what Jesus said at the very beginning of his ministry, before he was about to do all the miracles, before he went to the cross on our behalf. This is what Jesus proclaimed in Luke chapter 4, in verse 16. It says this, Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Good news of great joy that is for all people. All God's people said.